A violent, deadly attack in a quiet, stately neighborhood. A woman arriving home from work was gunned down and killed by an intruder. That intruder also shot her husband and left him for dead. This horrific shooting was carried out by a faceless gunman who eluded capture for almost a year. El Paso police credit a digital clue for finding their suspect. And that evidence leads many to fear the husband and wife were the victims of a politically fueled hate crime. The murder of Georgette Kaufman in this episode of Borderland Crimes. Georgette Kaufman pulled into her garage just before 7.30 on the evening of November 14, 2020. Night had already fallen, and her car was still running as she gathered her purse. She didn't notice someone lurking in the dark. Georgette didn't even have time to turn off the ignition before she was shot numerous times and left for dead next to her car. Georgette's husband, Daniel Kaufman, was inside their home, but the garage wasn't attached to the house, so Daniel didn't hear the gunshots. What he did hear was a noise at the wrought iron door to the patio deck. Daniel thought it was Georgette coming home from work. It was the shooter trying to get into the house. Daniel opened the inside door that leads to the patio and realized the silhouette he saw didn't belong to his wife. A man was standing at the door. Before Daniel could do anything, he heard gunshots. The shooter fired through the wrought iron door. Daniel fell to his knees and dragged himself to his bedroom, then somehow managed to crawl to the front door. Daniel ran across the street to his neighbor's house to call 911. Only minutes had passed from the time he was shot to when he called for help. It's devastating to think he didn't know his wife was yards away, dead in their garage. Shortly after that call to 911, news reporters got an ominous update from El Paso police. Uh, of course, we, do, we, we don't have anybody in, in custody at this time. Uh, we don't have any other information other than, than what I've told you at this point. It's very early ongoing in this investigation. Uh, we don't believe anybody is in danger in the neighborhood. Uh, we are at this time, it's an active scene, so we are looking for um, witnesses or anybody that can assist us with uh, this case. With a shooter on the loose, the police spokesman clarified what he meant when he said police didn't believe anyone was in danger. You know, part of that is is when we're here at the scene, we, we, we're going to render that scene safe. Um, and so at this time, we don't believe that there's a danger here at this at the scene. An 
ABC7 reporter spoke to neighbors about the tragedy. We're more upset. Uh, we're more uh, sad about, about this. Uh, those people are very, very nice people, uh, good neighbors, uh, very decent people, uh, as, as all our neighbors are. Uh, but it's a sad day. Neighbors on the street say that this is a great place to live. One neighbor that I spoke to says that he knew the victims and neighbors on the street knew the victims very well. And tonight is a very sad night for the entire neighborhood. There, there had been at least 20 emergency vehicles out here, at least, within the SWAT van. A chaotic scene Saturday night. Residents near Memorial Park still shaken up after a shooting that left one woman dead and another man injured. Ruben Robles, who lives a few houses down, says he did not hear any gunshots go off. We first knew about this when we saw red lights uh, flashing on it, and we came out to see what was going on. Our neighbor next to us, uh, was out front and the, and the ambulance was there and they were, they were putting somebody on the stretcher, taking him down the stairs into the ambulance. Georgette Kaufman was born Georgette Garcia here in El Paso. She graduated from Loretto Academy and met Daniel Kaufman in college at the University of Rochester. They married shortly after graduation in 1998 and they had a son who was 17 years old when she died. She marked her 50th birthday in 2020, and Georgette and Daniel had just celebrated their 22nd wedding anniversary on November 13th, the day before she was shot. Georgette attended law school in Chicago with Daniel and served as a lawyer in the Texas Attorney General's office. Georgette was known to her friends as Gigi. We call her Gigi because it's Georgette Garcia, so two G's. We learned more about who she was, but no one could explain why this happened and why to her. Who can imagine a person like her as loved, admired, respected, was gonna suffer? an event like that. It was, it was, it was bizarre. It was incredible. And uh, it was like sun was hitting El Paso and out of the blue shot it. Dark. Stopped. Life was like no way. Judge Marlene Gonzalez worked closely with Georgette when the two held positions in the El Paso County Attorney's Office in the early 2000s. When she told me about the moment she learned her friend was gone, she was clearly shaken, reliving that moment from two years ago. It was, it was a devastation. It was a completely, uh, it was a disaster. It was something like, it was like turning their lights on and off. That's the way I got it. I couldn't believe it. He says, but I, I just talked to her last week. I even have her text. What happened? Nobody knew. They maintained a friendship when they each moved on in their careers. And it's amazing. I still have her text messages on my phone. Wow. Uh, how an extraordinary person like she was, so loving responsible, um, 
good attorney, you know, out of the blue, next day is gone. You know, some, something like that is like, it's, it's, it's a tragic event. Georgette's one-time colleague, Judge Jesus Rodriguez, had similar praise and similar questions. I just think, why, why, why is such a special person, why someone that was so kind to everybody, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. They too worked in the county attorney's office together. Judge Rodriguez said a friend called him the night of the shooting to tell him the awful news about Georgette. I called her and I texted her and I didn't see her. I didn't receive a response. Um, so that's when I really got worried. He thought about their last conversation about a month prior. We were talking about our kids. Uh, I talked about my grandkids, um, work, just things in general. So she had come into the courtroom and just to say hi, and I didn't have a hearing, so we took a few minutes to catch up uh, with each other's lives. Thought about our our friendship, uh, and I just I was really hoping that uh, it just wasn't true. You know, maybe somebody confused the home. Somebody uh, they thought it was Georgette's home. It was somebody else. Not that I would wish that on anyone else. Strangely enough, years ago, there was a break-in at the Kaufman house that resulted in the burglar's death. A neighbor told ABC7 the burglar had cut himself on a glass window and lost too much blood. The Kaufmans were not home at the time. But uh, I was hoping that it just wasn't true. Rodriguez stopped talking. He stared at me and I could see his eyes watering. He swallowed and tried to keep his voice under control. He's just a special person, a special individual. Um, very warm, very kind-hearted, every day, every day. The Kaufmans live in the Manhattan Heights Historic District in the heart of central El Paso. The neighborhood was designed more than 100 years ago, and their home is a short walk from Memorial Park, El Paso's crown jewel of green spaces. El Pasoans from all over flock to the park to stage photo shoots on the Rock Bridge, to picnic on the rolling hills or under the massive pine trees, and to attend the Art in the Park events or musical performances staged near the Memorial Library Branch within the park grounds. With offerings for everyone, anyone could have an excuse to be in that neighborhood, making the search for a murder suspect that much more difficult. Georgette worked as an assistant AG in the Texas Attorney General's Child Support Division for seven years. There was speculation Georgette was targeted by someone whose case she had handled, but weeks, months went by with no update from police on that rumor or the investigation as a whole weeks, 
Months went by with no update from police on the investigation, no word of an arrest. There was a sinking feeling the trail had gone cold. That changed on September 9th, 2021, nearly a year later, when ABC7 broke news on the case in our 5 p.m. newscast. This is ABC7 with breaking news. Police now have a suspect in a nearly year-old murder of a prominent El Paso attorney. Police arrested this man, 38-year-old Joseph Angel Alvarez, charging him with the murder of Georgette Kaufman at her home in central El Paso. ABC7 Saul Signs is following up on this arrest. He spoke to neighbors in that area near Memorial Park, and Saul joins us live. Saul, what are neighbors telling you? Hey, Stephanie, well, they're telling me that they're very relieved that at least a suspect, someone has been captured in this murder, this nearly year-long murder case. I showed them that one picture that you showed us a little while ago. I did show them a picture of this to some of those neighbors to try to get the reaction to see if they even recognize this man. This is a picture provided by El Paso uh, police. It is a mugshot. This is 38-year-old Joseph Angel Alvarez. The police mugshot of Joseph Alvarez showed a man with short, messy black hair a full, bushy black beard that covered his cheeks and neck, heavy black brows, and a gaze that didn't quite meet the camera. He'd be hard to miss. Even in a crowd, he would stand out. But none of the neighbors our reporters spoke to recognized him. He was arrested by police SWAT team members outside the place of his employment on Viscount and Hawkins. A reliable source tells us he was working at the Papa John's Pizza at that location. Where Alvarez works is six miles east, or a 15-minute drive from where Georgette lived. I stopped by the Kaufman house myself a few days after the arrest to see if Daniel would be willing to talk to me about his wife. I'm sorry. No, it's... You don't have to apologize. I'm the one who came to your door and... He was much more gracious than I expected, considering he was dealing with a reporter after suffering such a painful loss. But he was not ready to talk. Meantime, El Paso police detailed in their affidavit how they came to suspect Joseph Alvarez for Georgette's murder. Police wanted to find out who was in the neighborhood at the time of the deadly shooting. Detectives obtained a Google geofence search warrant. A geofence is a virtual geographic boundary. It's often defined by GPS technology. And when it's activated, it can detect when mobile devices enter or leave a particular area. Longtime El Paso security expert JJ Arms III explains why Google created this type of tracking technology. And originally the intent, as far as we know, was for Google to be able to do targeted advertising. So I don't know if you've ever gone to a restaurant and then 30 minutes later, an hour later, you get a little email or a text message saying, how did you like, you know, XYZ restaurant? Mm -hmm. How would you rate, you know, Baskin Robbins? Okay. The reason it knows you were there is because of Google's location technology. After tracking your activity, through uh, Google Maps and through the different Google apps that you have um, enabled them to, to view and uh, record your location history. 
what it does is it, it starts to develop a pattern. So based on ARM's knowledge of geofencing, Google uses your phone to track your location in order to send you targeted ads, but Google doesn't track you covertly. You've given them permission to do this, okay? Either knowingly or unknowingly, okay? When we get a, when we're excited to get a new download or a new application or we need it right there on the spot, very, very few people go and read the user. And then you'll get a little pop-up that says permissions. You're giving Google permission to access your maps. Yeah, of course. How's it gonna know where I am and how am I gonna navigate if it doesn't know where I'm starting from? Well, as you're doing that, you're giving them permission to more and more and more access to your device, okay? So that's how they, they get past all these privacy issues because you're giving them permission. No one ever reminds you that you agreed to do this. It's all being captured and documented, okay? So we unwittingly give Google all this access and all this power to our personal information, our personal activity. And because that information is already gathered, Arm says police can instead serve Google with a search warrant. So what law enforcement will do is they will issue what's called a geofence request. They call it a request, but it essentially it's a warrant. And they are issuing a warrant for, for the information relating to phones that were active in and around a certain geographic area. And usually it's a very specific area, like a block or a home or two or three houses, okay? Which is where the crime scene is. The information is categorized by serial numbers or ID numbers, not by name. But they, if they see one specific serial number that was there for a certain amount of time or had a weird pattern of activity, they can request that Google identify that anonymous serial number. And once they do that, that anonymous serial number turns into Stephanie Baya, this is her phone number, this is her address, this is all the information we have on her. Then law enforcement can utilize that to go after and, and start investigating specific suspects. I mean, if you look at this from a law enforcement standpoint, it's unbelievable technology. It's amazing technology and it's groundbreaking technology because now you can potentially solve crimes that have never been solved before, or you have a new tool that was only something that was science fiction just a few years ago, okay? This is George Orwell type stuff. El Paso police zeroed in on a device that was near the Kaufman house at the time Georgette and Daniel were shot, and that device was tracked leaving the area a minute before Daniel called 911 from his neighbor's house. According to the affidavit, police issued another warrant to Google to get the account attached to that device. They combed through the location points in the phone to find what they called the resting points, or where the device spent the most time, to pinpoint the home address, which was on Gila Drive, a 10-minute drive southeast from the Kaufman home. The address belonged to Joseph Alvarez, and police say he was the only person who lived at the address. The affidavit states, Alvarez's phone appeared to have been present in the Kaufman's neighborhood November 10th, four days before Georgette was killed. Police found Alvarez's Facebook account, and he had posted pictures of a Glock handgun. They talked to people who knew Alvarez. They described him as a gun enthusiast and a gun owner. 
Police stated in the affidavit they found evidence Alvarez purchased a firearm suppressor and had it shipped to his house in the summer. Police also spoke to his former employer. They learned Alvarez had been fired after being accused of stalking a female coworker. Investigators said in the affidavit, the woman claimed she was ambushed by Alvarez after parking her car in the employee parking lot. Now, here is where things take a disturbing turn. Police gained access to the sent emails in Alvarez's account, including one to the 902nd Military Intelligence Group on November 14, 2020, the morning Georgette was killed. The 902nd is under the authority of the U.S. Army Intelligence and Security Command. This is straight from the affidavit. Quote, the email contained over 22 pages of Alvarez explaining his extremist religious beliefs, where he identifies the pro-choice believers as the Jewish Satanist party. Alvarez makes several references to Democrats being liars and calls for no more Democrat party officials. Alvarez goes on to explain abortion is Jewish child sacrifice and identifies Memorial Park as ritualistic satanic ground to conduct abortions by manner of magic. He attached 21 photographs that he took personally of different areas of the park. Four of the photographs attached were near or of the crime scene and of the driveway that leads to the Kaufman's residence and their detached rear garage. Police think he took those pictures when his phone saved his location near Memorial Park on November 10th. They found continued references in his emails to beliefs that, quote, all abortions are satanic sacrifices to the Jewish god, Satan, and of, quote, executing and exterminating the pro-choice Jewish Satan worshipers. Police said Alvarez believed he would end satanic activity near Memorial Park by, quote, acting out his manifesto by killing the Kaufmans. Police then attached the final paragraph of the email to the military. He's asking for abortion records to be cross-referenced to driver's licenses, then publicized. This is a direct quote from the email. Do as I say, stop all murder of babies. Later, I will be going to Memorial Park. Those houses on the corner are generational cursed family. That's why they get to live there. Tonight, I'm going to take my silenced pistol in a pizza box, ring the doorbell, and I know they voted for Biden. They had a flag, and Alvarez used an anti-gay slur to describe the flag, and a doll of President Trump hanging. Ask if they voted for Sleepy Joe, and you see I say, with the fishes, mother According to our archival video, the Kaufmans didn't appear to have signs supporting Joe Biden or a doll of President Trump on their property, but they did have a yard sign for El Paso Democratic Congresswoman Veronica Escobar. The night of the attack was nearly two weeks after Election Day 2020, when Joe Biden won the presidency over Donald Trump. Based on the information gathered by El Paso police during their investigation, this was a crime motivated by extreme political views. Similar extremism was on display during early voting just this October, 
when a man attacked the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi with a hammer in their home as he demanded to speak to the California Congresswoman. And we saw on a much larger scale on January 6, 2021, at the nation's capital. I do not think that this has been discussed openly in our community, and I think that that's been uh, unacceptable. Um, be and, and so I'm really grateful that, that there is now an exploration of this, and I thank you for that. This kind of rhetoric concerns Representative Escobar. Over the years, obviously, I'm, I've knocked on doors of people who vehemently disagree with my perspective, my political philosophy, or my political ideology. And those conversations, as tough as some of them have been, have radically changed even in the last uh, four years. And it's been very alarming. What, what I have noticed happening in El Paso is similar to what has been happening across the country. And that is the, the, the increase in conspiracy theories being openly talked about. And, and, I, and I'm talking crazy conspiracy theories. Representative Escobar said those theories involve anything from pornography being taught in El Paso classrooms to the theory that abortion is a form of Satanism, the same theory pushed by the suspected murderer. But what's been of concern to me in El Paso is we have had political candidates who have used the same language, but who have also fueled these conspiracy theories um, and who have been elevated and who have been normalized and gone unchallenged. We're no longer talking about a debate of ideas or policy. Um, it is nearly impossible to have conversations and achieve compromise or unity with people who will tell you the sky is yellow instead of blue. Escobar has been involved in local politics for 25 years and says anti-government sentiment has grown and it doesn't appear to be limited to just one political party either. It's, it's, it's a, a risk to our, our ability to govern together, but it is also a risk to people's safety. This is about presenting people as enemies who should be targeted and in some ways uh, potentially harmed. Alvarez's murder trial was scheduled to take place in the 210th District Court on November 4, 2022. But on November 1st, both the state and the defense agreed to ask the judge to delay the trial. It's been rescheduled for March 23rd, 2023. So we don't know how this story ends. Right now, Alvarez remains in the El Paso County Jail on a $1.5 million bond. Court filings show the defense filed a motion asking the judge to not allow the state to introduce data gathered by the geofence warrant, as well as any information gathered from Alvarez's email. That would include the data showing Alvarez's phone near the Kaufman's home days before Georgette and Daniel were shot, and on the day of the shooting, 
as well as that threatening anti-Semitic rant sent from Alvarez's email to a U.S. military agency. Court filings also show the state is asking to have an expert conduct a psychiatric exam on Alvarez because the prosecutor thinks the defense may bring up his mental health during the trial. Meantime, Georgette's husband and teenage son, her parents and friends, continue to grieve while they await justice. It was, it was awful. And, um, and not just for us. Imagine for the husband and her only child. Her parents, she was the only child. I still have shields. I was glad that there was an arrest, but I just didn't see it as changing much of anything. Um, my friend's still gone. Dan doesn't have his wife. Connor doesn't have his mother. And, you know, the, the judicial system will take care of that, but it hasn't changed anything. She was an angel, you know, she was an angel. She was always the same. She was kind. She was, uh, you know, um, it's a person that you like to be with, you know, because you knew you were going to have a fair, trial, a fair deal, she will follow the law, she will always display this type of charm and way to be. That was her, Georgette. Borderland Crimes is a podcast produced and edited by me, Stephanie Valle. A thanks to John McMinn, ABC7's promotions manager, and ABC7's chief engineer, Chris Swan, for help gathering audio and archival video for this podcast. Stay tuned. Another episode of Borderline Crimes is coming soon. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you're first to get the next episode. <laughs>